Welcome to Hispanic Marketing and Public Relations, HispanicNPR.com. This is Elena DelVal, and my guest is Dante Chimmy, who is Senior Associate of the Project for Excellence in Journalism. Today we will discuss the state of the news media, 2007. Dante helps research, write, and edit PEJ's reports, articles, and essays. As a freelance journalist, he writes a regular media column for the Christian Science Monitor and contributes to publications such as the Washington Post Magazine and the Columbia Journalism Review. From 1994 to 1997, he was a reporter and researcher for the National Affairs Desk at Newsweek Magazine in New York. Dante is a Detroit native and a graduate of Michigan State University. He lives in Washington, D.C. with his wife, Christina Ianzito and their two children. Dante, welcome. Hi, uh, thanks for having me on. Pleasure. Dante, what is the state of the news media 2007? Uh, well, the state of the news media 2007 is the latest installment. I think we've had uh, four now. We've done this four times. And it's kind of a broad overview of where the media stands in, in different areas, in different ways uh, Going into the going into the year 2007, and what I mean by different ways is we look at all the different kinds of sectors of the news media. We look at newspapers, online news, network TV, cable TV, local TV, magazines, radio, and ethnic media, and then we look at each of those media across uh, across different uh, kind of axes. Uh, there's uh, audience, how they're doing in terms of audience, how they're doing economically, what their ownership picture looks like. Uh, how they're doing in terms of investing in the news, uh, and then what the public attitudes are about uh, about these media. Uh, generally, there's also a component about content. We did that this year, looking at the digital aspects of all these different media, how how they're doing in terms of you know getting online and what they offer online. How many media outlets are we talking about, Dante? <laughs> uh, this year, in terms of content, I think we looked at 39 different. We looked at 39 different sites and how they handle their web content. But when we're talking about what what's covered in terms of the economics, the ownership, the audience, it's it's hundreds of outlets. I mean, we're basically we're trying we're trying to aggregate all the data we can about each of these industries. So obviously, for each of them, I mean, the newspapers alone, you you have you know you have scores of newspapers that would be included. Obviously, you know, scores of local television stations. Uh, it's it's a very very broad look. I mean, you're, we're taking it as much as we can and, and trying to aggregate the data to get a big picture. When you say 39, you mean within the digital section? Exactly, where we looked at 39 sites in particular. In terms of the overall report, the state of the news media, 2007. What's the ballpark number of media that you took into account in the report? got to be it's it's got to be when you're talking about things like audience and economics and ownership hundreds i mean we look at for each of those because for each of these sectors newspapers online all the different forms of television we're aggregating all the data we can to find out about what the ownership picture is for each one of those things so you're talking about hundreds of outlets within those hundreds of outlets were you looking only at news media or did that also include other types of media that were not necessarily daily breaking news sort of media? Well, I mean, the line has obviously gotten a little fuzzy but, uh, in terms of what's news media and what isn't. Uh, 
but that we're trying to limit ourselves to news media. Now, some would argue, you know, uh, there are some talk radio programs, uh, or maybe even some pro programs on uh, cable TV in particular, that are really not as much about uh, news as they are about, you know, kind of appointment television. You go and watch a host you like or something like that. But, I mean, the, I think we still consider those in the broadest definition news outlets. So it's, it really is trying to look at news media. How do you define news media within that scope? In other words, as you mentioned, there are programs now that are more about the opinion of the host of the program. Right. And now we have uh, Comedy Central's Daily Show, right. which makes fun of the news, but at the same time is, in a way, a news show. Yeah, and a lot of uh, a lot of younger people, in particular, get their news from the Daily Show. And, and I mean, I think that's the test we have when we look at it. We're, we we try to look at it from the consumer's point of view. You know, whether or not your news uh, a, a news source has to do with are people going to you for news? Because ultimately. You know, if you just if you're just using the high-minded version or high-minded vision of what you think news outlets are, you're going to miss a lot. I mean, it, you you kind of almost have to go by what uh, what everybody you know goes to when they go to get news. And some people go to Keith Olbermann, and some people go to Bill O'Reilly, and some people go to John Stewart. Now, John Stewart, you know, we, we there isn't a lot of data, unfortunately, when you talk about things like uh, Comedy Central. It's, <laughs> numbers aren't as good. But, uh, you know, it's it's interesting to look at. How do you start? In other words, you said that you look at what is everybody looking at, what's their source of information. But what's your point of departure beyond the obvious Wall Street Journal, uh, New York Times, et cetera, et cetera? Uh, how, do how, do we go about, how do we go about finding the other outlets? You mean? Exactly. Well, there is, there is, I think, because we spend a lot of time looking at media here, I think people here have a fairly good idea of, 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 of where people are going for news because we end up, we end up looking at where people look, at, look to go to our news. And the other thing is uh, there's an organization we work with here, obviously, the um, Pew Research Center for the People in the Press, and they do polling. And actually, one poll, one poll that they do every year, it's where we get a lot of the public attitudes information we have in our study. Is, is the biennial news consumption survey. And it just basically asks a lot of people where they go for news, you know, where they went yesterday, where they've gone in the last week, where they regularly go. And, it, and it, you know, I think that's a good check. You know, we think this is where people are going for news. When you look at the polling results, is, is that people say where they're going. And what is the big picture in terms of the report? What were your findings in a general way? Well, uh, the... I mean, the big findings in the report this year are that, you know, obviously the media is going through a, a, a huge shift, and we think it's actually picking up speed. Uh, there are these feelings, you know, I think even three or four years ago, if you asked people, you know, is the news media going through transition, they'd obviously say yes, but there was this feeling it's going to be, you know, over the next uh, 10, 15, 20 years, it'll change. I think there's a feeling now that uh, it's moving much faster than that, and that's something we're finding just in terms of the growth of online. Uh, that you know, we could be looking at something in the near future where some things maybe cease publishing and just go and just go online. I mean, that would be that would be a pretty major development in U.S. news media history, and also the convergence I think between online and and uh, video is happening a lot faster than people thought it would. Uh, YouTube, the advent of YouTube, and how that's changing where people go. Uh, but uh, the major trends we find uh, when 
when we look at the year is uh, all this is going on as you know there are being cuts made in newsroom staff and newsrooms are kind of uh, the the first major finding is they're rethinking their ambitions about where they want to go uh, and I think what they're trying to do instead of is being instead of being broad they're focusing on specific niches of coverage where they're going to own a specific area now, maybe a geographic thing or maybe an issue thing but they're going to own something and they're less interested in doing a broad brush of the world out there um, the second finding we had this year was that there that the, the news the news outlets have to become much more aggressive in terms of finding a new economic model because as the old things dry up as maybe there aren't as many readers of the print newspaper and they're shifting online or there aren't as many viewers of the nightly newscast that they're going to abcnews.com. That's hitting all these outlets in the wallet. Uh, and what they need to do is find an economic model that works that will allow them to continue uh, to continue their their news gathering and news uh, dissemination. Uh, one of the other things we found is kind of a corollary is the question is for the news media now, does the investment community out there, because these are publicly owned properties, a lot of these things, are they going to see this industry as a declining industry, or is it one that's just kind of going through a big change, a transition? Uh, that's a big finding. Uh, and the one thing we I mean, we talked a little bit, I don't want to I don't want to take all day with these, but the one other thing I want to talk about is um, talking about, uh, we've talked a little bit already about talk shows on television and people providing a lot of opinion with the news. The one thing we are starting to see, particularly on cable news, is the rise of something we call the answer culture where there was a time when you would have crossfire and people would sit across the desk from each other and essentially yell at each other. Uh, what we're starting to see now is, uh, increasingly, is a host simply sitting there and trying to make sense of the news, in a, with, you know, obviously with a specific bent and a specific idea of, a, of what they believe. But, but the goal is to kind of, say, take everything that's out there and try to organize it for people. And uh, it's, it's different. Is it better? I don't know, but it's definitely different. This being the concept of not necessarily presenting both sides of the story in a balanced, objective format, right. but presenting a particular opinion and letting people see it or hear it based on that filtering process. Absolutely, yeah. Basically, saying to people, basically saying to people, you know, and, and I think I like the way you phrased it. It's not that you only give one side of the news. You're giving both sides, but it's not it's not equal. I mean, you're definitely trying to get you're you're definitely trying to get a point across, and you know that's definitely that leads to a different kind of news viewership. Uh, people may be selecting outlets that kind of comport to their vision of reality. That's uh, that's the that's the first thing it's created. It's it's I think in some ways a more civil tone, in terms of what you're watching isn't as isn't quite as hot. It's quite as much people yelling at each other. But it, it, it really has interesting ramifications for what happens to the news media now. What do all of these findings and the demographic shifts that we're seeing, what do they mean in the long term? You know, if, if, if you could tell me that, I'd be, I'd be really interested to hear it. I mean, <laughs> the, one thing, the one thing we know is, we can really say now, I think, is that, you know, and this is one of my personal feelings after doing this for four or five years, four years now. We're starting our fifth year. We're already gathering all the data for the next one. But uh, you really get the feeling that uh, we have online as a separate chapter of this report right now. Newspapers, TV, local, you know, local and national, and then online magazines. You know, online is increasingly not 
is, is increasingly going to be where all these things live. <clears throat> and the differences between, say, newspapers and television is going to be less, you know, that you go to the television to watch TV and you read the newspaper. You're going to be doing all that stuff online. So the, the, it seems to me that the long-term ramifications are, especially as, old, young, as uh, younger people tend to be not watching the nightly news as much and not reading the newspaper so much, is this stuff is shifting to online. And all these different outlets kind of have to develop new ways to do things that are going to be foreign to them. Uh, you know, newspapers are going to increasingly have to figure out how to use video. Uh, I think uh, broadcast networks, you know, ABC, NBC, CBS News, are, are going to have to think about, you know, how they, their text is going to be serious. It's not just going to be running AP wire anymore. Or increasingly, it's not going to be AP wire as much. It's going to... It, it, these these things are all kind of being forced to become these multimedia platforms more than they are specific outlets that you read, listen to, or watch. Do you see the traditional media outlets truly embracing these changes and the technologies that are driving them, the youth demographic that in part is embracing the changes the most, Right. Do you see these traditional media outlets, you know, sort of the grandfathers, if you will, um, or are they still kind of fighting the changes and saying, no, we're not going to go that direction, we're going to stick to our guns? I, I think we're finally, I think this year was actually really <clears throat> something of a turning point where they are now, I think, really embracing the fact that things have to change. <clears throat> they're no longer just putting their heads in the sand and saying, no, no, we're just going to keep doing what they're doing and there'll always be a market for us. <clears throat> they, I think they've come to the conclusion now that instead of running from the change, they have to try to, as much as they can, manage the change. You know, Now, again, what that ultimately is going to look like, that's what I say when you, know, when you say, what does it mean in the long run? That's what we're really going to be finding out here over the next, I think, really, we're talking almost about three or four years we're going to have. It, we're, we're changing that fast. The media culture is going to look very different. When we look at the online medium, which you said is really where everything's going to be in the future, what do new technologies like Yoast, for example, which is promising television quality content online, and mobile technologies that allow you to access media on your cell phone and YouTube, etc., streaming video, all of these things that are coming hard and fast at us in terms of technological capability. Where are these, do you think, in that spectrum? Well, the interesting thing, particularly when you're talking about mobile technologies, is <clears throat> the idea that you can watch a video on your phone or your, or your personal digital assistant is an interesting idea, but it really is going to mean that the video is almost going to have to be different in some way. I mean, the question is, are they going to be able, are the outlets, I think it's less a concern for print maybe than it is for than, than it is for broadcast or, or cable. You know, but looking at something on maybe a 3x3 three three screen is a little different than looking at it on a computer screen or certainly a, you know, a 40-inch widescreen, you know, flat screen that somebody has in their living room. So, you know, I think that they're, they're actively figuring out how that's going to work. How far are they down that road? I think that, you know, the one thing that I've definitely seen this year, and we've, I think, noted in the digital section of our report this year, is, you know, the multi, the, the rise of multimedia on these things is big. And 
there are increasingly podcasts, so you can take you can take your you know you can take NPR with you if you want to do that, you know. And it, there, I think that 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 trend is going, and I think it's growing relatively quickly. Where it's going to end up, I'm not completely sure yet, because you know, unless until you really until everybody has a nice wireless connection where they are, not just an iPod, um, you know, if something breaks. If news really breaks, uh, you're probably going to be running for a television or a computer or something like that. But you know, as, as the as the wireless as, as the wireless ga- gadgets and gizmos we all have grow, and the ability to do more with them grows, uh, I, I think that you know, I think you know we'll be seeing that's that's one of the things that's going to change a lot. I think, particularly in the next three or four years. What about the? controversies with the media, the misrepresentation of circulation numbers, the reporting scandals. How are these playing, and is there a direct relationship between those and the surgence of new public journalism, everyday people or sometimes former journalists who are filling the vacuum using this new technology? Well, I think you know the 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 reporting the scandals in terms of uh, the circulation scandals that hit the newspaper industry a while back played a big role in terms of the economics because it really started I think making advertisers you know one thing we note in the report is all the old ways of measuring audience seem to be being challenged now and television for television and for print advertisers aren't really as comfortable as they once were by saying well it's not perfect but it's the best thing we got you know they're they're looking at it and they're saying, hmm, you know, maybe it really doesn't make sense to advertise since we really aren't sure what we're getting here. So those things have had a big effect that way. In terms of the reporting scandals, and we're talking about content, you know, the blog, the world of blogs is extremely interesting, obviously. Uh, you know, these, these because you're really getting a lot of times news from different different sources outside the mainstream. Uh, the problem is with with blogs is for all the blogs there are out there, and there are thousands. I believe there are more than I think there are tens of thousands. Uh, most of them have very, very, very little readership. You know, there are four or five or, or twenty you know very powerful blogs that a lot of people read, and they carry a lot of weight. And I think the one thing we're going to see is in the next coming years, anyway, is that blogs are going to be increasingly absorbed by the mainstream media in one way or another. Either that these bloggers will be hired by mainstream organizations to blog for them, which we have seen a lot already, you know, or what the other thing we're seeing is that the the old mainstream media organizations are starting blogs because it is a lot of work for a reporter to have to file a blog on top of everything else they're doing. But I think that people, particularly online users, like the transparency they provide. They like the idea that, you know, hey, this isn't something that's gone through. 30 different editors and is kind of the, the filtered wisdom of the newspaper I read. It's this guy or this or this gal talking to me like they've been reporting and they're just going to tell me what's on their mind. The standards are different, I think, for those things, even for the mainstream media in terms of, you know, the accuracy of what's there. But I do think that there's a lot of desire uh, from users for that stuff. They, they like the idea that they're getting something that's less varnished. Going back to your findings, one of your findings from the study was that the only section of the media that was still showing growth was 
among the ethnic groups and Spanish language media. Would right. you tell us a little bit about that? Well, the Spanish language media, the ethnic media, but the Spanish language media in particular, really does seem to be, you know, it, it, every year the numbers, you know, look pretty good. And this is at a time when, this is at a time when everybody else is really struggling. Their audience, you know, seems to inch up a little more every year. And, you know, their numbers, their numbers aren't bad. There are some interesting uh, economic numbers for them this year that, that might bode well uh, for the future. The question for the ethnic media, really, in the long run, is there's definitely a very healthy past and a, and a very and a very solid present. But the question is, in the future, particularly for the Spanish language media now, the question is, what happens? Because 2006, we note in the report, was the first year in decades where the growth in the Latino population in the United States occurred more through birth than through immigration. Uh, now, there's a lot of reasons for that, uh, the, the tightening of immigration laws, and there's just a very young um, Latino population in the United States, and you know, is, uh, they're going to have children, and they're going to have children that are U.S. citizens. And the reason that's significant is the numbers seem to indicate that the among the among Latinos that are born here, they tend to use English more as a primary language. I mean, we cite a number in here where it was just a poll, a survey that the uh, Pew Hispanic Center did, but they they basically called, you know, they they before they began their 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 survey, their poll, they asked them would they rather the person they were talking to would they rather be interviewed in English or in Spanish? And these were all Latinos. The ones, you know, the U.S.-born respondents, about 80% of them wanted to be uh, interviewed in English. The foreign-born respondents, 90% uh, of them wanted to be interviewed in Spanish. So it does seem to indicate that as as the, as more Latinos are born here, they may be more and more inclined to use English, which for Spanish-language newspapers would present something of a challenge. Uh, now, that doesn't say that doesn't mean for certain that it's going to mean they're not going to read those newspapers. It may be that they that they you know they essentially are bilingual and they use they read Spanish language media when they want one thing and they read English language media when they want uh, when they want another. But it definitely indicates that there is some kind of transition going on right now, and, and we'll probably get a good idea of the shakeout from it in the next uh, ten years or so. And of course, the demographic projections indicate that this trend that you mentioned of most of the growth coming from U.S.-born Latinos rather than immigrants right. is expected to continue and that this is what's going to fuel our demographic growth in general in the country. Absolutely. And, of course, one out of every four Latinos is, one out of every four children is Latino. Right. So we know this trend is likely to continue. Yeah, and it's and it's a, and it's a, you know it's a relatively young population, and they're and they're going to be they're going to be getting married and having kids. One of the arguments that I have heard from people in the business, people who are reporting and working with Spanish language media targeting Latinos in the U.S., is that oftentimes their readers are fully bilingual, maybe even English dominant. But that they read or turn to that media outlet, whether it's broadcast, online, print, etc., because they can't find that news in any other forum. Because historically, traditional media have not covered that type of news and are still not covering that type of news. 
so that they're leaving them out and they're looking for that information and news coverage from the Spanish language media. Does that reflect your findings? Well, I think yes. I think that, uh, you know, there, there are a couple things that actually would help the Spanish language media over the, over the long haul. One is exactly what you're saying in terms of the issues they feel should be covered that aren't being covered. Uh, they, they are turning, they turn to Spanish language media because it's the only place they can really get it. And we, we've seen, we see a little bit of that in public attitudes, and I'll, I'll, I'll get to that in just a second. But the, but the other thing is the, uh, the cutbacks in terms of foreign news in the United States uh, is actually plays a role in this. I mean, if you are, if you are Latino, if you're uh, foreign-born, or maybe, maybe you're not. Maybe you were born in the U.S., but you have relatives, uh, you know, that you are close with who are outside the United States. You know, coverage of those countries just doesn't happen as much in the, in the U.S. English language press anymore. And it's not, you know, it's the English, the, you know, the U.S. media is increasingly, you know, not doing the coverage it used to do for all foreign news. Uh, it simply isn't covering those places anymore uh, and because of, because of staff cuts. And that, and that, you know, is going to be another thing that, you know, will work to the Spanish language uh, media's advantage. Uh, I think that, you know, if you really want to, uh, Mexico, there may be some coverage of in, in the um, standard U.S. English language press, but not a lot. And then I think Central America, there's less, obviously. Uh, it's, it's, you know, it's interesting. The coverage tends to go, you know, it's, it's, like, a, it's like a bullseye. The further away you get from the United States, it seems the less coverage there is of that place. Uh, so, you know, as you reach down to Central and South America, there's less and less coverage of that. And that's, you know, I think you're going to find that Latinos are going to go to the Spanish language media when those, for those areas of coverage, along with issue coverage, just geographic coverage that's missing in the English language media. When you looked at the Hispanic market media, did you look only at Spanish language media or did you look at both languages? specifically media that we're targeting Latinos? Largely what we're looking at is Spanish language. There are a couple of um, the, the, the data that we have. It's, I will say this about the ethnic media because I write this chapter everywhere. It is, it, every year it is, the hardest, um, it is the hardest group to get solid data on. And it's because a lot of these, particularly in the past, a lot of these outlets were local, highly local, and there isn't a, a common organization representing them. The best data available that is out there for, for ethnic media is for the Spanish language media because there, there is um, an organization and a gentleman named Kirk Whistler who, who gathers this data. Now, there people have raised some questions about his data because a lot of it's self-reported by these um, news, uh, newspaper outlets and, and magazine outlets, but it's the best stuff that is available right now. So it's it, there's, you know, there's... There's not a lot out there to begin with, but the, the sample that he gathers is, I believe, 90, I think total is about 90% Spanish language, and I think for daily newspapers it's like 98% Spanish language. But he does have some, uh, some outlets that serve uh, Hispanics or Latinos but aren't in, um, aren't in Spanish. According to our research, there are in excess of 1,000 media outlets targeting U.S. Latinos. How does that compare with your research, and how many media did you include in, in your study, Dante? Uh, you said over a thousand. Yes. I think that would that would comport pretty closely to what we to to what I would estimate. I think that if you if you look at just the number.
numbers that uh, that they gather for the print media that we look at, when you take into account daily, weekly, and less than weekly newspapers, you're up in the. Oh, let me see if I can. Uh, you're up in the. You're up in the. Uh, sevens or eight hundreds. So and then when you start adding in radio, television, uh, that that number sounds completely. Uh, that sounds right to me. Uh, the, the what we're actually looking at again, it's hard to get those numbers, especially when it comes to uh, radio and, and local television. You can get obviously Univision and Telemundo, but it, it's 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 hard to get a local TV and local radio. As and ultimately, the numbers we have when we gather for economics and audience, we're talking about getting all the print stuff we can through uh, through the Kirk Whistler and the Latino Print Network, and then obviously television through um, Univision and Telemundo. That's pretty much that's pretty much the universe we're dealing with. The number sounds accurate to me. That sounds right. So, out of the thousand media outlets that we're estimating, about how many would you say that you focus uh, on? We're probably we're probably up around seven or eight hundred that we're actually kind of tracking. And about what percentage of those would you say are English, or include uh, English content? Of, well, of not many. I'd say probably. Well, again, if you're going by the, the Kirk Whistler data, I think it's 10% that aren't Spanish language. And obviously, when you're talking television, Telemundo and Univision, um, that's that's Spanish language. So 10%. So not not many. Not not many. What characteristics, Dante, would you say that these media outlets have in common, and where do you see them going in the future? Um, well, what they have in common, it seems to me, just just through a cursory, there was a year I actually went and did uh, some content analysis of um, of some newspapers. So we looked at a, a series of newspapers in New York, including two Spanish language newspaper, uh, newspapers, and we've done some looking at uh, Telemundo and Univision. And through looking at that, I think the one thing that strikes me when I look at the coverage is uh, there is definitely a feeling uh, that the outlet is is really um, less alienated from from the user. What I mean by that is, there does seem to be uh, with with much uh, with much of the media in the United States, uh, this, and this is why there are a lot of hard feelings sometimes, that the media is talking at, uh, it's uh, talking at or instructing its people, uh, in, instructing its viewers or its audience or its readers as as to here's what happened in the world today. It does seem to me, looking at the Spanish language media that I that I've looked at, the Hispanic media I've looked at, that there's much more a feeling of, you know, they're kind of you're kind of, that they are working for their audience, and you see this actually even when you look at the websites of of major uh, major news organizations, Hispanic news organizations. There's a whole part of it there that's really about uh, services for the for the user, and I don't mean selling your car or <laughs> or or real estate that you see which they obviously have as well, but those are things you see on English language uh, outlets as well. But things in terms of, you know, helpful links for immigration, you know, helpful links for if you're new to the country, kind of trying to help you understand the way the way the system works. And that stuff's really interesting. And, and even when you watch Telemundo or Univision, which we did not for this report, but for the last year, 2006, you know, th th they refer, sometimes they refer, um, the outlets will refer to the audience uh, as we or, uh, there's definitely a feeling that, you know, they're they're one of they're they're one of us. You know, we're working we're working with you, and we're all kind of working on this uh, 
to, to present the news to you, and you give us you give us information when you know of something, and there's and we'll 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 work along with you on it. That's something that's kind of lacking in uh, in English language media in the United States, and it's probably something English English language media could learn a little from. I guess it's the the big complaint a lot of people have with the mainstream media is that sometimes it is tone deaf when it comes to you know what audiences really want, and that you. You definitely get the feeling, looking at the Spanish language media and the, the Hispanic media, that that isn't as much an issue. Uh, where they're headed in the long run, uh, I, I think there is a feeling that that the transition, particularly that this is in um, broadcast, the transition toward being more bilingual, toward uh, you know working uh, working to give people Spanish language and English language broadcasting, but but with a with a Latino bent and a Latino feel, I think we're going to see more of that <clears throat> because I think there's you know the same thing we're talking about here where the the concerns are that as the population becomes more and more U.S. born, will they still go to the still go to the Spanish language outlets, even if they are going to the Spanish language or even if they are going to Hispanic outlets for Spanish language news, maybe their feeling is that you know and I think this is probably a smart move on their point. Why should it just be for Spanish language? Why shouldn't they be coming to them for programming that they feel is more culturally where they are? You know, it's just, you know, it's there is a whole network in this country. You know, Black Entertainment Television. You know, the, they're they're talking about African Americans speak English, but it's cultural programming for them that's aimed at their specific group. And I think that that's I think that's where if you were if I were asked to put money on it, that where uh, you know uh, Hispanic uh, publishers and broadcasters are going to move. In terms of the characteristics that you examined, or the criteria that you examined in the study in general, how did the Spanish language media fare compared to the mainstream English language media? In terms of content, you mean that? Content, economic model... Uh, well, the e- the economic model content is sadly uh, we didn't we we didn't do as much on this year just because we focused so much on websites that uh, it's we ended up we focused a, we did a bit on Univision and then we looked at um, La Opinion, but uh, we didn't do we actually the content for the entire report this year was really focusing more on the web side of it than really what was there in terms of sourcing and, and information available. But uh, some of the other stuff, like the economic model, is is interesting uh, because what you really have, I think, particularly with something like Univision, is the rise of a uh, very large uh, entity that has that has a you know it's it's dominant. I mean, it's it is it's dominant over Telemundo, and it has an audience, a very you know an audience that is actually, as we note in the report, increasingly spread out across the country. Uh, and it is it is the rise of a of a it has been really over the last ten years the rise of a Hispanic uh, broadcasting giant, and it is you know it's starting the question is is it going to start to bump up against some of the same problems that the big <laughs> English language behemoths uh, bumped up against? Does it start having problems with the FCC in terms of how much it owns? It already did have to sell off some properties in this past year because uh, it, it, you. They were they own too much in specific markets. Uh, print wise, um, the print wise, the rise of Impromedia in terms of daily newspapers is very interesting because what they've done is <coughs> they have united uh, a 
outlets in, in the biggest markets across the United States, uh, you know, Chicago, Los Angeles, New York, and then some markets down in Florida and some, uh, some markets in Northern California, and put them together under one company. Now, the strength of that is the ability to sell ads nationally. Uh, and they have come out with supplements that basically appear in all these newspapers. And what is the strength of that? Well, what it means all of a sudden is, you know, they can go to Best Buy or they can go to Walmart and say, do you want to, you know, we can sell you this many readers, nationalized circulation in these big hot, you know, these big markets where you want to reach our readers. And what it does is essentially opens up the world of, uh, of national, you know, bigger, more, <laughs> more important national advertising. And, that's, and it's critical now because we see it with all the media. The advertisers are increasingly national. I mean, there are not local department stores anymore, really. I mean, there are national department stores that have, you know, stores in specific cities or specific communities. So, I mean, that's, that is, that's been really interesting to watch because, you know, they launched the supplements that they've launched have been interesting because it does open up, it opens up a whole line of advertising to them. And this year we saw for the, the biggest jump, a big jump in terms of their, where their advertising is coming from. Uh, the national versus local ads for for Hispanic newspapers jumped this year. Uh, the national ads were eight, were 16 percent in the Hispanic newspapers in 2003. They were 18 percent in 2004, and then in 2005, which is the last year for which we have data, they jumped to 37 percent. They more than doubled. So that is that's that is a really interesting trend to watch in terms of the ownership of these things and. Uh, of these publications, because as they get as they get bigger, and if if they can take in more and more newspapers and grow more, uh, you're looking at the rise really of of a print giant in Spanish language and Hispanic uh, newspapers, and it's 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 really it's really something to watch. It really is. Do you think that the trend that Impromedia is showing of gobbling up? the local newspapers to establish a national network right. and now SBS which is the large radio network making an incursion into television kind of testing the waters right. do you think this is a flavor of things to come uh, I mean it would make sense that it is uh, I think anybody who's watched the mainstream media in the United States over the last 10 or 15 or 20 years would tell you yeah uh, you know why would it be any different? Why why should it be any different for these outlets than it was for um, for for the mainstream English language media? I mean, what it means is the the audience and the pop the the Hispanic population has reached a critical mass where these things can really flower and grow. Now, is there something lost with that? A lot of people, I'm sure, would argue yes, just as they did with the mainstream media in this country with the depth of the local newspaper that became owned, you know, something owned by a big company in another city far, far away. You know, and there is definitely a feeling with the mainstream media that things might have gone too far. So there is the possibility, I think anyway, for the Hispanic papers and Hispanic broadcasters that maybe they've, they've watched what's happened with the English language and the mainstream media in the U.S. and maybe they, they aren't quite going to go as far in terms of what they're going to gobble up and what they want to own, but I don't see them stopping anytime soon. What happens to the upwardly mobile, wealthiest segment of the Hispanic population, which 
researchers tell us are the English dominant Latinos. Right. Right now they're underserved because the English media, the traditional mainstream English language media, isn't covering the segments, the parts of the market that are of interest to them. Right. And the Spanish language media are not necessarily the type of media that they're looking for. They don't right. offer the kind of programming, et cetera. Where do you see this market, since all the data is telling us that it's growing, where do you see them, or where did you see them in your study, and where do you see them going? You know, we didn't. We don't have the demographic data broken down that specifically, but that's I've heard, I mean, in terms of the numbers. I mean, I've heard this discussion before, obviously. And it seems to me that, you know, they're in play right now. And the question is, you know, as a, as a group, and will the mainstream media reach out to them and try to, you know, bring them in the fold, which they would argue they just haven't done a very good job of? Uh, or, 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 is it that the, or is it that the, you know, Hispanic publishers and the Hispanic broadcasters start to realize there's this group out there, uh, well, not that they don't realize it, but, but to start really targeting it much more specifically? I mean, I could imagine, I could see, if I were Univision, for instance, wanting to start a, a you know, a different, you know, a, a different, maybe a niche broadcaster. A, you know, there's, I don't know if there's really necessarily a reason why uh, you, you can't say you're going to have, you know, niche Hispanic broadcasting. I don't see why not. I don't see why you wouldn't say that we're going to create, you know, they already have a uh, Univision, uh, they've got a... Um, uh, Telefutura, but why not have one that's aimed? I don't know what you call it, but obviously, you know, you're branded differently, and you start accepting different kinds of ads. You sell the ads, you know, you sell the ads to different kinds of advertisers. That that wouldn't surprise me. I mean, the one thing about the mainstream media in the United States in general is it's so big. <laughs> it, it's so big that you know, getting getting you know, getting it on the the main networks is impossible. The other possibility would be that NBC, which owns Telemundo, but really has not done very much with it, to be honest. You know, is there a time that NBC says, you know, geez, we're huge. We have all these, we have all these different cable channels. Why don't we do this? Why don't we jump in this? You know, and is there a question? When, is there a time when they'll when they'll do that? It's, it hasn't happened yet, but you know, things can change relatively quickly, especially with the media market you know, developing the way it is right now, which is you know, 100 miles an hour in, in a lot of different directions. You just mentioned a moment ago that the mainstream media is huge, and we talked about the Latino media in the U.S. being at about 1,000. Where would you estimate the mainstream media market or other media market would would be in terms of numbers? Number of outlets? Right. You've got to, because you've got to count every radio station. You've got to count every weekly and local newspaper, every daily. Though, admittedly, there are fewer dailies. Uh, they, they, they sh they've been shuttered. Uh, and then, geez, all the all the cable. You know, I wouldn't even know. Would you say ten thousand, fifty thousand? Yeah, I mean, I would think somewhere around there. Yeah, I mean, it's it's such a it's such a massive market. Yeah, I I, I would think maybe. I mean, and then you've got to add in the websites. Yeah, it's it's pretty it's it's you know it's enormous obviously. Talking about websites, what were your findings in terms of the Latino market and access to news media online? Well, we found something really interesting. Uh, 
and actually it, it kind of it came up in our public attitude section, <clears throat> which was a year ago, uh, and we used it in our 2006 study. This uh, pollster in Miami, a Hispanic pollster Sergio Ben Dixon, did the biggest study ever of ethnic media around the United States, and he was kind of looking at how large the potential market was for for ethnic media. But what we did is we went back to him this year and said, hey, what would happen uh, if, if you could run your number geographically for us and, and separate them into um, uh, kind of established, established um, uh, Hispanic communities, established Asian communities, and emerging Hispanic communities and emerging Asian communities. The, the things we found were, were interesting. What we found was in the emerging communities, uh, the, the his, uh, Hispanics there tended to go with Hispanic media. And in the established communities, Hispanics tended to go with English language media. And the reverse was true with, uh, with uh, Asian. Uh, in, emerging in emerging communities, they, were, they tended to read English. And in established communities, uh, they tended to read uh, Asian publications. Now, Asian obviously is a very broad category, but it's the, the way he broke down his questions, it worked. Uh, that was true across everything until you got to the Internet. And in the Internet, the, the numbers were very similar. Uh, you know, the, and Hispanics tended to, uh, tended to look at uh, uh, ethnic uh, Hispanic websites, I mean, Spanish-language web websites, it's very complicated. They tended to look at Spanish language websites much more in emerging communities, but so did Asians. I mean, so that so obviously there's a big there's a big market out there for the web. I mean, it, it seems that there there's there's huge potential for all ethnic media on the web. I think that's where there's there's a lot of room for growth. The one thing we found talking to people and talking to people in the industry is, you know, there has been relatively the big. We all know about the big outlets who have big web presence. Univision, uh, even the big newspapers, you know, uh, La Opinion and uh, El Diario. Uh, but, you know, when you get to the smaller publications, the smaller outlets, they just have not been very active. They have not been very active yet. And, you know, the experts we talked to said they thought they were about five years behind the mainstream media in terms of developing themselves on the web. So it's something where, I mean, if there's something that the Spanish language media and I think all the ethnic media have to kind of focus on or will be focusing on in the coming years is is online because there's huge growth potential out there. But, I mean, it's it's just particularly when you get to these small publications and these small broadcasters, they they were, they were have typically been run by, by, you know, small organizations, a lot of times people who are older, uh, who have been, they've just wanted to be newspaper publishers who have, or have lived to be broadcasters. And the web was something that was very foreign to them. You know, I think as they see what's happening, they're going to they're going to uh, increasingly transition themselves online and at least get make a stronger online presence because, you know, you go you go where the audience is. Which areas would you say, in terms of geography and content, are best covered, and where do you see the vacuums? In terms uh, of the Latino. In terms of uh, which which areas of the United States have the have the best outlets or have the most coverage? If right, if we look at the U.S. overall geographically, where would you say that Latinos have the best access to Latino-oriented media? 
And where would you say there are the big vacuum areas where there is little or no access? Well, it tends to be, you know, it tends to be highly localized. If you're in a place where there has been a, <clears throat> obviously it depends on the size of the community somewhat, but even if you have a small uh, Hispanic community and it's been there for a long time, it's, lo it's, it's well established, you know, those are the places, those are the places where you're going to have uh, pretty good media representation. You're going to have something to read. And if you're big enough, you're going to have something to listen to and watch on television. Obviously, it gets more complicated because you know, it's, it's more expensive to, for cable to, to, to just broadcast out to the ether in some ways than it is to just to put out a small newspaper. But the places we're seeing, the, the places that are probably underserved still, if we're going to go state by state, are the places that have seen the most growth in the past two or three years. So you're talking about, you know, places places like uh, Iowa, which is growing. I mean, it went from, you know, the people, we one survey, uh, a chart we have in here in the, um, in the annual report is uh, percent of people five years or over who speak a language other than English at home. And this is 2005 versus 2002. Uh, and, you know, any of those states, you know, because a lot of this is going to be Hispanic just because it's the largest it's the largest group in the country, any of those states where you see a big bump between 2002 and 2005, there's probably room for growth in those areas, you know, and, and not places like necessarily like New Mexico where there was growth, but there was a big population there beforehand. But, you know, it's smaller places like Nebraska. Nebraska went from, you know, Nebraska grew from 7.7% that don't speak uh English at home to nine percent that don't speak English at home. Now that's actually that's that's a pretty significant bump. That's one point three percent. You know, a, a, an increase of one point three percentage points over seven point seven is is pretty dramatic. I mean, you know, you're talking about you're you're talking about uh, almost a quarter, right? That's that's a big bump. Uh, beyond that, it's hard to say specifically what communities what where communities. Uh, are going to see the are going to see the most are going to have the most room for growth that's something that's you're going to have to get more into the nitty-gritty of the numbers even than we could in terms of content we know of course that the hispanic market is very diverse looking at people hailing from 20 or so countries right. and of course the majority of that has historically been from mexico right. do you see a breakdown in terms of content by country of origin? Uh, you know, we didn't do it this year. Again, we didn't look closely enough at content. We did do, uh, this is way back now, but we did a big study here on local television in the late 1990s and, and I think through 2002, I believe. And we were looking at local television, but one year we included um, Spanish language outlets. And the the one thing we found was there was a big difference in terms of what the population was. The, the Spanish-language population in Miami obviously is interested in different news than the Spanish-language population in uh, Los Angeles, or in New York, for that matter, just because you're drawing from different regions and different geographies, you know, different countries. You know, and, it, and it, reflected all, it reflected all the way down to even the sports that were covered, where there was a heavier <laughs> coverage of baseball in, in the, on the stations in Miami than there was in Los Angeles, where there was some, but there was also more, that there, was very, there was more attention paid to soccer. But there wasn't much attention paid to soccer in the 
places in Miami, along with obviously Miami being much more focused on news out of Cuba. Uh, you know, in New York, uh, in North New York, obviously you have a lot of Dominicans, and that's a different that's a different kind of news. Again, a different area of in terms of geography that people are interested. In, not to mention in terms of different culture. And then Los Angeles, which tends to be uh, uh, Central and South American. Uh, so it's uh, and obviously Mexico. Uh, so it's you know you really do. We didn't do it this year, but looking back, we really did found it. We really did find a difference in terms of the local television. At least we could find we could where we actually did the study. We could see there was a real difference in what was provided to people. Dante, what suggestions would you give to our listeners to help them? better prepare. We have marketers, advertisers, journalists, company owners, a really broad range of people who all have in common their desire to reach out to Latinos in the U.S. in English or in Spanish. What would you say to help them prepare for the changes that you can anticipate? Well, the one thing I would I'd say a couple things. I would say, you know, do what you can to get, I, I would say online is, is going to end up being it, it, it is. It's, that's that's where you know that's it's as true and with this with the Hispanic and Spanish language media as it is with the mainstream media. The other thing is, and you're going to have to do a lot more research than we did in here, but to go out and these emerging communities. I mean, one of the big findings last year, as we point out in our report, was that you know the ethnic communities, uh, and this obviously includes Spanish language, are spreading around the country. You know, they are popping up in places that weren't really didn't used to be considered. You know. Um, ethnic havens, find those places because those people, you know, the, those people are underserved and uh, and and they sh they can be reached. And you know, if you're looking for if you're if you're looking for a way to grow your in terms of being a, like an advertiser, you know, one way to grow your uh, your the consumption of your product if you're looking for a, 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 a Hispanic audience is to just grow the audience. Go and go and find these people that aren't really getting uh, the attention paid to them that they should have paid to them. Uh, and then, you know, I, I do think that I, I do think that ultimately the thing we were talking about a little bit for a while there about, you know, the, the niching within, you know, Spanish language, Hispanic, it represents a lot of different places. And understand that, you know, there are, there are, they're different. It, it isn't. It isn't one group of people. There are different people, and they need to be marketed to in different ways, and they have different kinds of things that they they use. In terms of segmenting, for those in our audience who are interested in reaching out to that English dominant, wealthier segment of the right. Hispanic population, do you think that the traditional media outlets, now that their audience is slowing down is flat or even as we see in some of the major markets actually showing a negative growth right. do you think that they're going to start to look at the emerging markets as a source source of growth or are they going to continue down their beaten path uh, well i think that well, i think what's going to happen is <clears throat> what's happening in the media in general which is Looking for a niche audience is going to become more and more, uh, more and more important, and it's going to become more and more uh, the way that, uh, that that marketers go. I mean, it's just throwing throwing money at ABC, you know, or throwing money at, at even the New York Times. You know, well, the New York Times is actually more of a niche publication, <clears throat> but throwing money at like a big a big broadcast network or the local newspaper, it, you know, 
necessarily isn't necessarily going to get you what you're looking for if you're looking for selling a specific item to a specific group of people. So I think that you know the the, the niching is going to become more and more important, and it's I just it I think that's where everything is moving, and there's no reason to believe that it wouldn't be moving that way with the ethnic media as well as it is with the uh, with the mainstream media. Thank you, Dante, for joining us from Washington. Well, thanks for having me. Hopefully, you'll come back next year and tell us about the 2008 report. <laughs> don't even don't even make me think of that one yet, but it's <laughs> it's coming soon, so I'd I'd love to. And to our audience, thank you for listening to Dante Chinney, who is Senior Associate of the Project for Excellence in Journalism, who discussed the state of the news media 2007, brought to you by Hispanic Marketing and Public Relations, HispanicMPR.com, providing you essential information on America's largest minority. Please share your suggestions, questions, and ideas by leaving a comment on the HispanicMPR.com website. If you or someone you know would like to be on the show, you can email me directly at editor at hispanicmpr.com. That's editor at hispanicmpr.com. For more information on how to reach Hispanics with marketing and public relations tools, visit our resources section at www.hispanicmpr.com. That's www.hispanicmpr.com.